And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. Today is a fun day, but it's also a sad day for me. Because even though I've only been here for, I haven't even been here a year, uh, I feel like y'all high school seniors are my kids. And so this is a sad day because I'm having to usher you out the door to pay taxes. Um, (laughs) You hear them, they tell you all about it right over here. Uh, But uh, at the same time, this is also a joyous day. Um, You have accomplished much, and we rejoice with you, we celebrate with you. Uh, And and this, you know, even though you'll see me and I'm still going to aggravate you, uh, this is kind of like my last, like, charge. Like, what what would I want to give to my my students? And and, and this is it. And so, uh, uh, before I get this, I'm going to try not to cry today, uh, but I might. So, anyway, unless you start making fun of me or something, but... uh, but anyway, but I love y'all, and I know y'all will do well. I have complete faith in you, and if you need anything, uh, I'm here. Uh, and so do not hesitate to give me a call unless it's after nine. Um, in which case, Michelle's up. So uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Nehemiah chapter 6. It's pretty fortuitous that Sarah uh, put in here, Mighty Fortress is our God. Uh, I've actually been working on her to get that hymn placed in our song rotation, because it is my favorite hymn. And I know what you're saying. Man, there are a lot of words in that hymn. Uh, but it, it's, it's such a really good hymn, and I think it really goes with the message today. We're, we're discussing Nehemiah. Nehemiah was charged with building a wall. Uh, a Mighty Fortress is Our God is a hymn that was written by Martin Luther. So this is the Reformation, the German Reformation figure. Uh, and, and at the time he wrote it, uh, it was a very stressful time. He went through many bouts of depression. Uh, so basically, uh, for those of you who, who don't know, Martin Luther uh, what be, what basically became convicted reading the book of Romans that the Roman Catholic Church was not following Scripture. And so he began to speak and to teach about what Scripture actually taught. And the Roman Catholic Church eventually one day came to him and said, we need to have a talk. And so they met in a, t- a city called Worms. Now, if you really want to sound cool when you walk around, say Worms. It's spelled like worms, but they don't say, they don't have W's, they use V's, so it's Worms. Yeah, you sound really, you sound very intellectual there. That's, that's how I look smart. Um, so they were in Worms, and, and basically they gave Martin Luther an edict. They said, you either do as we say, or we're kicking you out of the Roman Catholic Church, and with that, also kicked you out of protection, meaning that you could probably be killed. Martin Luther said, give me the night to pray on it. He went and prayed, and he said that that's actually one of the few moments in his life that he actually felt Satan in the room antagonizing him. The next morning, he got up, went back to the council, and said, I read Scripture, and this is what Scripture says. If you can show me in Scripture where I'm wrong, I will recant everything that I have taught, but you cannot. And so I will stand. He was then on his way home uh, to Wittenberg, another good one, uh, on his way home to Wittenberg, and all of a sudden a group of raiders came and basically CIA styled, put a sack over his head, kidnapped him, put him on a chariot, a, a, a carriage. So I guess two horsepower carriage would be there, you know, Porsche, you know, speeding away. 
uh, and uh, eventually uh, they, he was dragged through a building, and then all of a sudden Hood took taken off of him, and it turned out one of his friends had staged a kidnapping to protect his life because there was a plot against him. And for two years he stayed uh, in the castle of his friend in Wittenberg, Germany, and he said it was one of the most depressing times of his life because he couldn't leave under the threat of death. However, it was during this time that he wrote the song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, uh, a wall never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe, Satan, doth seek to work us woe. Uh, his craft and power are grave, and armed with cruel hate, on earth is not his equal. A very depressing line, but then the next line, but did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. If we, if we worked in our own strength, we would lose. Why? For were the, uh, for were the right man on our side, a man of God's own choosing. Who is this guy? Dusk asked who that may be. Oh, you got the words up. Uh, Christ Jesus, it is he. Uh, the Lord of hosts, or Lord Sabbath, his name, from age to age the same. Uh, and he must win the battle. Notice not, he can. He must. It has been willed by God that Jesus will win. And that right there is the gospel. That is our hope. And it's through this, looking at this song with a wall, that we now turn our heads to a story about a wall. So this year in... Uh, in youth, we have gone through, we've gone through three books, but we really spent the majority of the year going through two. We've looked at the book of Colossians and the book of Nehemiah. The book of Colossians is basically Paul arguing that we must make the gospel known through the world despite what might happen to us. And so really looking at the book of Colossians and seeing this fleshed out, seeing Paul's argument fleshed out, we needed an example. And the perfect example is actually back in the Old Testament, and that is Nehemiah. It is Nehemiah that is the perfect example. And you might say, well, that's weird. Why would Nehemiah be the perfect example? And the reason why is that Nehemiah was not a prophet. He was not a priest. He was not a monk. He was a regular guy with a regular job. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. Literally, he served the food to the king. He actually, interesting note, he took a bite of it and then the reason why was if he died, then the king knew not to eat that food. And so that was his little literal job. As a group of Baptists, we all wish that we could have that job. Uh, but, uh, but that was his job. He was just a regular guy with a, with a regular job. Uh, and in fact, in a foreign land, he wasn't in Israel at the time. He was in modern-day Iran whenever he was called. And so we look at Nehemiah, and we must ask the question, when we think about it for us, can God use me? And let's face it, most of the time when we think of who God can use, we think of many pastors, right? Many, perhaps priests, you think of uh, monks and nuns such as Mother Teresa and others and say, well, of course God can use them because they have set their lives aside and, and strictly to do gospel service, you know, that's, that's their occupation. But what about me? And I bring forth to you Nehemiah because Nehemiah was a regular guy with a regular job who was called to a task. That task was to build a wall. And so this morning as we are celebrating Graduate Sunday, I want to charge you, graduates, with the task that has been given to you to continue 
to follow that. And we'll talk about that here uh, today. Uh, I, I am going to go ahead and say this. Normally I go verse by verse through a passage. Today is a little bit more topical, so I won't be going through all those uh, crazy names that David had to say, mainly so that way I don't embarrass myself too much. Uh, but uh, uh, but we are going to look at this chapter and kind of see what Nehemiah does when he faces two ad, uh, ad, adversaries in his life. One from without, uh, from, from, excuse me, one from outside of the camp of Israel and one from within. And so we must ask the question, who is Nehemiah and why was he charged with this task? So why Nehemiah? Well, Nehemiah was a man of prayer and a man of the Word of God. He was a man of prayer and a man of the Word of God. And you see this all the way back in Nehemiah chapter 1. In Nehemiah chapter 1, you see Nehemiah's brother comes to him, and he basically his brother went on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and Nehemiah, so excited that his brothers come back from pilgrimage, asks him, how was it, right? It's the same as when I was in North Carolina, and someone would tell me they were going on vacation to Florida. They would come back, and I would say, how was the Holy Land? The the Holy Land was amazing, and it's God's land, especially if they went toward Gainesville. It's God's land. How was it? Tell me all about it, right? And so, uh, you know, you, you want to hear stories. You want to hear how good it was, right? And I, I had one buddy one time, uh, he asked me, he said, where can I get the best fried chicken? I said, Publix. Go to Publix. They got the best fried chicken. He came back. You were absolutely right. Right? What's that do? That builds you up, right? You get, you, you get fond of memories of home and everything. And so Nehemiah is asking his brother, Hananiah, hey, listen, how is Drew? Jerusalem, is it great? And Hananiah turns to him and says, Jerusalem is in shambles. The land is in shame. Its people are in poverty. And the people are suffering. Nehemiah does one thing immediately. He begins to pray. He begins to pray, and he doesn't just pray a generic prayer of, Oh God, help the people. In your name we pray. Amen. Nehemiah actually begins to pray scripture, and not just any scripture. Nehemiah begins to pray Deuteronomy chapter 28 and chapter 30. Now, I know many of you are on social media. I don't know of the last time I ever saw someone put a verse of Deuteronomy 28 as their verse of the day, right? You know, with the, the sun rising picture, you know, in the background and, and having the verse that says, and if you do not obey these commandments, I will curse you and I will scatter you among the nations and your, your wall will be in shamble and your city will be in shame, right? This is not normally a passage which one memorizes in order to feel good, right? Right? Deuteronomy 28 is a list of the curses of the covenant for not following God, for not obeying the covenant which they have uh, assigned to. And so basically we see here that Nehemiah reflects back on what Moses had already told them, what God had revealed to them through Moses, and, and basically said, Lord, we are sinners because we did not obey your word. You see, the people of Israel were much like us, where they were on the outside and perhaps officially followers of God in that they had the temple and they, you know, did their, you know, duties in order, you know, to, to be a good Jew, uh, every year, right? They'd go to festival, they'd go to church on Easter, you know, all the stuff that they needed to do. Uh, and then after that, they did their own thing. And God sent many prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and others to say, listen, this will not last long. If you do not repent, repent. And the people refused. And eventually, a guy named Nebuchadnezzar came along and destroyed the wall of Jerusalem. You see, it's, it was foretold all those years ago that this is exactly what would happen, that the wall would come crashing down. 
However, Nehemiah did not just pray the curses of the covenant. He also prayed chapter 30, which is God's promise to His people that He will restore Jerusalem, that He will destroy Israel when they return to Him. And so Nehemiah immediately begins to pray, and not just pray, doesn't just pray, Lord, forgive us for our curses, but then he begins to pray, Lord, remember the promises you have already spoken. Lord, you knew that we would be an obstinate people and that we needed to repent. But Lord, you also said that you would bring us back to the promised land. And Lord, remember what you promised to us all those years ago. You see, Nehemiah was able to pray, not just pray, but also pray Scripture, not because it came to him all of a sudden, but because he was a man who was of prayer and a man of the Word and had been that way for some time. And so as you go throughout your life, graduates, as you go through your next steps, I must tell you now, make sure you are in the Word and make sure you are of prayer. Because when those times come up where you have adversaries that come against you, I promise you what is hidden in your heart will come out. What is in your heart? Is it Scripture? Is it prayer? Or is it vile? Or is it anger? Let us be a people who are of prayer and of the Word. And so, as we look at Nehemiah chapter 6, we see that God chose Nehemiah because he was a man of the word and of prayer. And as we said earlier in chapter 6, we see he faces adversaries from outside and from within. So he faces adversaries from outside and of within. You might say, well, that's kind of weird, right? Most of your adversaries are on the outside. But let's face it, the hurts that a lot of times we have that hurt most are not the hurts from the outside. We expect sinners to sin. But we don't expect sin in the church, right? So a lot of times whenever we, we have issues that arise, we get most hurt because we do not expect it. But let me tell you, where sin abounds, you will find hurt. But also where sin abounds, you will find that grace abounds even more. So Nehemiah faces adversaries from outside and within. So let's look at those from the outside. So Nehemiah, up until this point in chapter 6, he has had many dealings with three specific adversaries, Sanballat, Geshem, and Tobiah. Now, Tobiah was actually a fellow Jew, so we're going to deal with him and, and, and the others in a minute. But let's sit here and face with Geshem and Sanballat. So Geshem and Sanballat were from the surrounding area of around Arabia, and they remembered the nation of Israel before it fell to Nebuchadnezzar. You see, under the kings of David, under the king of Solomon, under the king of Hezekiah, uh, Israel, and specifically Judah and Jerusalem, were a military mighty uh, power in the area. As a matter of fact, they kind of ruled the area, even if other nations were other nations. They still told them what to do because, you know, we have the big stick. And so they remembered that. And so when Nehemiah comes to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall, they begin to be fearful and they begin to do everything they can in order to stop it. In chapter 3, Samballot and Geshem actually uh, begin a rumor uh, that they were going to attack Jerusalem. And it was so fearful that Nehemiah actually commanded every worker to have a sword at his side uh, to make sure that the wall still was finished, but yet they could protect themselves in case they were attacked. And time and time again, Samballot and Geshem kept coming and kept making lies and kept threatening. And every single time, Nehemiah continued to do the work on the wall. And so when threats don't work, 
what do you do next? Well, most of the time you'll find that those who want to do you harm will actually come to you as a friend. And that's exactly what happens here in Nehemiah chapter 6. Sam Ballad and Geshem, it says, sends a message to Nehemiah to basically come down and, and to talk with Sam Ballad and Geshem in the plain of Ono. Now, if there's any ominous place in the world, it should be a plain called Ono. Don't go there. It sounds like something really bad is going to happen, you know? Uh, so, so they're told to go to the plain of Ono. And Nehemiah refuses and continues to work, but notice what Nehemiah says. Nehemiah doesn't just say no. He says in verse 3, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come to you? You see, ultimately what they were trying to do was to stop him from doing the work, come down, and they were going to kill him. Nehemiah, knowing the character of Geshem and Samballot, turned to him and said, absolutely not. I know what you were trying to do was to stop me. I cannot come down. I am doing a great work. So guys, let me tell you this. This point, we should never turn away from the task that is given to us. We should never turn away from the task that is given to us. And let's face it, we're kind of like children. In fact, some of you still kind of act like children, but we are very much like children, right? When my son Thorn, when I have, he has a little truck in his hand and he's playing along and everything like that. And I come up with a Butterfinger or a Popsicle or something like that. That's also good and perhaps better in that moment. You know what he immediately does? drops the truck and runs to whatever I have. And let's face it, most of the time, whenever we have a task that perhaps is a little bit arduous, perhaps is a little tedious that we don't like to do, and we see that something else pops up, we're very quick to put down the task that has been given to us in order to go to the thing that we see as better. But... That is not what we are called to do. Just as Nehemiah was called by God to build the wall about around Jerusalem, we are called to the task as well. We are called to the task of the gospel. And we should never turn away from that. And let's face it, there will be many temptations that will arise. Some that seem to be very friendly, but yet will do their worst, do their division by taking us away from the task. Let us never turn away from the task. And notice how they do it. They come to him as a friend. They, they come to him and say, hey, just come down, let us talk in Ono. And, and, and Nehemiah went, oh no, not doing that. And so, and then finally, the last time, the fifth time, the text says, they come to him with an open letter. Now, the question is, why an open letter, right? Why is that detail there? The reason why the detail of an open letter is there is because it was available for anyone to read it as they were going up to Nehemiah. In other words, they were already trying to put slander among the population in order to get their way. And so Nehemiah receives this letter and basically says, the, it's the, uh, is there is word that rebellion is coming, that you're trying to lead everyone away, and you need to come down in order to deal with this. And Nehemiah says... No, why should I stop? I have come here to do a task. I'm here doing a great work. Guys, let us remember we are doing a great work. And we should never turn away from the task that has been given to us. Now, Nehemiah is not, does not succumb to this. So, there was a second temptation that was thrown his way. And that was from within Israel. Uh, you see, there was a guy named Shemaiah, 
who was the son of Deliah, the son of Metabel, uh, who basically was a temple worker. So he worked in the temple, right? You could say he was a, a deacon or a preacher or, or just a, a regular church worker who, who served in the temple, who served the people. And, and this man sends word to Nehemiah and says, Hey, listen, they're trying to kill you. Come now and hide in the temple. You see, the reason why he was trying to do this was to bring shame upon Nehemiah. We see here that Nehemiah refuses this invitation because of one reason. He says, why should a man such as I be allowed into the temple? How will I surely live? More than likely, Nehemiah being in the king's service was a eunuch and therefore was unclean. And so if he had went into the temple as an unclean man, he would have brought great shame upon the temple and of himself and also would have brought great shame on the work that he is doing. In other words, why should we listen to Nehemiah whenever he claims to be doing something for the, word, uh, for the Lord our God and yet bring shame upon him by not obeying that word? Does that make sense? And so here, Nehemiah gets this, this what seems to be friendly advice of come, take, uh, come hide in the temple. But Nehemiah turns him away. Why? We go all the way back to chapter 1. Nehemiah was a man of prayer, but he was also a man of Scripture, a man of the Word. You see, especially from within, we should always follow Scripture, even when it seems that it might do us more harm than good, because let's face it, we are very short-sighted. Nehemiah could have probably been just like us. If you'd have told me, that somebody was trying to kill me and all I got to do is come hide in First Baptist Church, son, I'm probably getting underneath the platform right here, right? You know, if someone's doing you harm, you're going to run away. But Nehemiah knew Scripture and knew that he was unclean and was not allowed into the temple. And he wanted to obey the Lord that even whenever it meant that he might lose his own life, he said, I will follow what Scripture says. And needless to say, the threat did never Come, or the threat never came out. Turns out it was a lie. And the only reason for that lie was to bring shame upon Nehemiah and among uh, uh, on the work that the Lord was doing through him. You see, we should always follow Scripture. We must always follow Scripture. But the only way that you can know to follow Scripture is to be in the Word. It must be, you must be in the Word daily. We are, we are giving all of our graduates Bibles, and the reason why we're doing it is not so that way they have a nice coffee table centerpiece. It is because we want it to be used. Because if you know what that Word says, and that Word is infallible, and is, it will speak to your life day in and day out, then you will be a better follower of Jesus, and in doing so, a better person. It's not because we decided that we wanted to spend money. It is because we believe that your life depends on that very word. So take it and read it daily. Memorize it, which I will tell you, that's my one weakness is memorizing Scripture. But let me tell you that the words of the Lord that I know continue to always bring me comfort daily, even in my uh, most stressful of times. We must always follow Scripture you see, God's commands are there for His glory and our good. They might not be what we request, but we will find that a lifetime of faithfulness is much more fulfilling than the temporary trivial pursuits that we always try to fill our lives with. And so my question to you, the question I'm going to end 
is this. Will you allow God to use you wherever you go? Will you allow God to use you wherever you go? You see, you do not have to be someone who's ordained. You don't have to be someone who's set aside for mission work or a nun or a monk in order to serve the Lord. You just have to be faithful and willing. So my question to you is, will you allow God to use you wherever you go? Uh, J.D. Greer, he's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention until next month. Uh, but he has a, 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 he's a pastor of a church called Summit Church. It's in Durham, North Carolina, where Duke University is. Uh, and one thing that he has been big on is sending uh, people across the world. Uh, think of it, being at Duke, you have a very high you know, intellectual uh, quantity of students that are wanted all around the world. And so one thing that he always tells them is to allow God to use them wherever they go. And the reason why is because many of the nations they end up going to are places in which me, as someone who has gone to seminary, at, whose title is a pastor, uh, would not be allowed to step foot in. But someone with the title of nuclear physicist or doctor is easily allowed in. You see, people must hear the gospel. That is the tax that we have been given. Will you allow your life, your situation, your problems, your successes to be used to accomplish the task of allowing the gospel to be made known? That is what we are tasked with. And as we look at Nehemiah, as we look at Paul, and as we look at the others in Scripture, we will see that that task and that burden is, is, is hard, but at the same time it is light. Why? Going back to a mighty fortress is our God. The fact that we have an advocate on our side. Dusk, ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is He. The Lord of hosts, His name, from age to age the same. And He must win the battle. Let us pray. Uh, Father, we just come before you, Lord. We, we praise you. We honor you. We thank you for uh, allowing us to be here. For Father, for, for just allowing us to have this time that we can uh, uh, just celebrate with our graduates. Father, that we can commend them. Um, but that, Father, that we could also charge them with the task that you have given to all Christians. The task is to go into the nations to tell everyone about the good news of the gospel. Father, we pray that you would continue to burden us with this. And Father, we pray that you would be with us as we, we go to celebrate our seniors, that Father, that you'd be with our seniors as they go uh, throughout this world. Uh, Lord, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so we're going to go into a time of invitation. Uh, so this is a time for you to respond uh, to Scripture. And so we're going to, be, we're going to sing a, a, a hymn. Uh, as we do so, be in prayer for our seniors. Be in prayer uh, for our, uh, our church as we, as we all go through this time together. And then afterwards, we have a little something for our seniors. So let us all stand. And we're going to be singing Sweet Hour of Prayer.
Now the fun time, and I, I know i got to give instructions. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to call your name, Senior. And you come up to me, you're going to shake my hand, I'm going to hand you a Bible, and you're going to come stand over on this way. And we're going to fill up this side here. Uh, afterwards, we, we do have our luncheon set up, so uh, we're all going to go to the back, and you know how Baptist we spell fellowship, F-O-O-D. Uh, so we're going to have a good time of just hanging out, uh, uh, celebrating, but at the same time uh, being with one another. So we're going to take this time, we're going to recognize our graduating seniors. We're going to start with our high schoolers first, uh, and then we're going to go to our uh, collegiate students. So... Here we go. Now, now all of these were written by the individual. So uh, let me go ahead and say that off, off the top in case, uh, you know, someone says something weird. All right. <laughs> uh, Corey's trying to get me. I'm going to move over here and just kind of mess with him. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, our first senior is Miss Hannah Babcock. Yeah. By the way, this is six pounds, so have fun. Uh, <laughs> Miss Hannah Babcock is the daughter of Jennifer and James. Uh, when she when she was asked about her accomplishments, she said, "I finished high school." <laughs> so yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so she said her favorite memory was uh, uh, having a band family and just hanging out together with them. Uh, her plans after school is to hopefully obtain a scholarship for Polk State College uh, and then attend down there in Lakeland, and then she hopes to one day be a fire fighter and paramedic for Wakulla County uh, Fire Rescue. So ladies and gentlemen, it's Hannah Babcock. <laughs> Miss Katie Damron. That's right. She wrote a couple of them. She, she has on this one. Use this one. So there you go. <laughs> That's right. So Miss Katie is the daughter of Eric and Julie. Uh, her accomplishments, and, and actually I agree with her, is balancing school, work, and sports. Uh, that is a good task to have for later in life. I promise you on that. Uh, her favorite memory of school was playing soccer and flag football. If y'all don't know, they, we have a girls flag football team. And if you like watching football and like not paying to watch it, uh, you can go down to the high school and watch the girls play flag football. It is awesome. Uh, so I highly recommend it. But, uh, uh, but her plans, uh, after school is to, uh, go to college for nursing and she hopes to graduate, uh, college and work in the medical field. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's Katie Amron. <laughs> Miss Savannah Self. Not much has changed from this picture. Actually, I'm going to go on a little tidbit here. Uh, I actually knew Savannah when she was like three, and she was like this high. Uh, and so whenever I got here, I was like, I know that girl from somewhere. And I finally went up to her and was like, I know you. And she's like, yes, I recognize you, but I didn't want to say anything. And, and, and <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So uh, Savannah is the daughter of Suzanne and Brian. Uh, her accomplishments are uh, playing flag football for three years, being in the National Honor Society for six and also being in the medical medical academy for four years, and actually, you just got your was it CNA that you just got, or you got your EMT certification? She got that on Friday, so uh, we're going to make sure to have her around for any accidents with volleyball poles. Um, that's inside. That's right. Um, her favorite memory of school was early release days. Uh, 
and her plans after school, she's planning on going for her PhD in children's de- developmental psychology so that way they can understand themselves and around, what's around the world a little more clearly. So ladies and gentlemen, Miss Savannah Self. <laughs> Mr. Garrett Brand. That's right. Garrett is the son of Allison Garrett, and then also his grandparents are Renee and Stan. So, oh yeah, I got to do this thing, don't I? There you go. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, as his list of accomplishments, he said earning a high school diploma. I hear you on that. And then he's also been taking courses uh, in the electricity program at Lively Technical and receiving his uh, OSHA certification. Uh, so he said his favorite memory was spending time with friends, and his plans after school is to continue career training through an apprenticeship with an electric, an electric company. He wants to be successful and have a good life and to be with the people he cares about. So ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Garrett Brand. We do have a couple seniors who are not able to be here, but I do want to make sure to recognize them. One is Mr. Chase Hunter. He is also graduating from Wakulla High School. Uh, Chase is actually probably the most hardworking person that I know. He currently uh, is, is finishing up, or he finished up his high school diploma. Uh, he works three jobs, two jobs, uh, two or three jobs, and also has been going to Lively and getting his welding certifications, which I believe he's received a good majority of. Uh, so uh, he is a very accomplished young man. And so his plans after he graduates is to finish up his welding certifications and then go into the workforce and weld, which if you know anything about welders right now, they're in need. So he's going to be pretty busy after this. So, uh, so Mr. Chase Hunter. And then another one that couldn't be here, Miss Emily Lane. Uh, Emily is the granddaughter of Chrissy and also the great-granddaughter of Butch and uh, Pat Calhoun. Uh, uh, Emily got, actually got to be with us for a few months this year. Uh, if you know anything about Emily, she is brilliant. And as her list of accomplishments, uh, she graduated valedictorian with a 4.5 GPA. Uh, and was accepted to the University of Louisville on an academic scholarship, so full ride. Uh, just absolutely amazing. Uh, she said her favorite memory of school was doing her online school so she could snack all day. <laughs> and her plans after uh, school is to go to the University of Louisville for undergrad and eventually go to medical school. And don't worry, I'll let her know the best medical school was the University of Florida. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, she said that she hopes to go into pediatric cardiology, which is something that she's been wanting to do since she was five. So, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Emily Lane. <laughs> that's that one. Yeah. All right, now we get to some of our uh, collegiate uh, graduates. Um, next up is Miss Allison Garrett. Allison is the daughter of Stan and Renee and mother to one Garrett up here. I figured you could sit there by your son, so um, here you go. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Uh, her accomplishments is being a mom to three amazing kids, going back to school to finish her AA degree at the age of 36, and then working straight through to earn a degree in elementary education uh, and eventually a master's in educational leadership. Our favorite memory of school is being re- being able to realize that she could accomplish much more than she had imagined. Uh, she said for uh, for her plans uh, after she finished, she said, I'm just going to keep teaching. Uh, and, <laughs> 
and she hopes to one day become a school administrator. So ladies and gentlemen, it's Allison Garrett. Next up, we have Miss Kayla Parks. <laughs> Kayla is the daughter of Scott and Peggy Taff. So she's, she's a Taff, she's like me. I've got crumb, we're, we're, we're around everywhere. Uh, her accomplishments, other than landing her awesome husband, Eric, I added that one in because, yeah, <laughs> uh, is that she graduated TCC with her associates in nursing. Uh, her favorite memory is meeting all the wonderful people in school and especially the forever friends that she's been able to make. Uh, her plans are to uh, uh, go to work at TMH and then cardiac, uh, card, how do you say, cardiac, oh, cardiac. Yeah, words are hard, uh, <laughs> Cardiac Progressive uh, Care Unit and continuing her education and receiving her bachelor's in science of nursing. And she hopes to one day be a nurse practitioner. So ladies and gentlemen, Ms. Uh, Kayla Parks. Next we have Mr. Travis Parks. I know none of you know him. Uh, Travis is the son of Rick and Sherry Parks. Uh, he is uh, getting his bachelor's in global studies from Truett McConnell. Uh, he said his favorite memory of school was leading mission trips all across the state of Florida, or Georgia, including Athens, which is much needed. Um, so good job on that. <laughs> he said uh, his plans after school. So right now he's currently in his process of getting his visa uh, to go to the Czech Republic and pursue his master's degree in cultural sociology at a university over there. Be in prayer for him. He's supposed to hear something towards the end of this month. Uh, so hopefully this week or Monday. <laughs> so uh, be in prayer for him through this. I know we've been praying for him all through this process. Uh, and he hopes to one day uh, have a godly marriage with a career that meets the financial needs and contributes to the kingdom of God. So ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Travis Parks. And then last but not least, someone who needs no introduction. So Mr. Joseph Duggar. So Joseph is the son of Jimmy and Carrie. Oh, he's not here. So he, he decided to, he's got to work. You know, he's got a job now, so he's making money. Uh, but anyway, he is uh, the, the son of Jimmy and Carrie. Uh, his accomplishments, uh, he's got the, uh, his master's in uh, science and nursing from the University of South Alabama. Uh, and this is completely Joseph's answer. Uh, when asked about his favorite memory of school, he said graduation. Uh, his plans, so basically he is, oh, are you going to accept? Why are you coming up? Cohen's right there. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. You are better looking, so I'll just say <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And so uh, uh, he is currently a nurse practitioner at uh, TOC, uh, and so he's on call today, so that's why he couldn't be here. Uh, and then he hopes to one day achieve retirement. And so ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joseph Duggar. And so guys, we just want to take this time and say that we love y'all, um, especially just the time that I've been able to be with y'all has been amazing, and uh, I know that y'all are still going to be like locusts and hang around here, uh, but, uh, but also at the same time, we as a church just want to come alongside you and tell you that we love you. We're here to support you in any way. Uh, like I said, you can call in on any of us. We're here to help you out. If you need help, especially when it comes to being a poor, broke college student and need some food, uh, 
come see us. Uh, some of us have better food than others, so choose wisely. Um, no, but uh, but we do love you, and we, and we just we're praying for you. As a matter of fact, in your pew, you'll see that you have a list of all the uh, graduates' names, or it might be in your bulletin. And you'll notice that there's a word on there. I said, uh, uh, please saturate our graduates with prayer. And really and truly, especially now, we need to make sure that we saturate these graduates with prayer as they go out into the unknown and see what's going to happen in their lives. So uh, we love y'all. Uh, we're praying for y'all. And then here in just a little bit, we're going to eat with y'all. So uh, uh, anyway, here afterwards, we're going to dismiss in prayer. Uh, families of graduates, we have a luncheon set up out back in the CLC. So head on back there. We're going to have some fun. We're going to eat. And then I have a little game. And then you know, we can uh, rag on them all we want to here in a little bit. So uh, uh, we're just glad to be, that you'll be able to join with us. Uh, we're going to take this time and end in a word of prayer. And I am going to ask, I'm going to use Sarah's mic, Corey. So let me turn off my microphone. I'm going to ask Mr. Eric Elmore if he will pray for our graduates. Eric uh, has been someone who's been working with our college students and someone who's been working with our high school students for a while and just someone who's really just uh, invested his life in, in these students. And so, uh, Eric, if you will just close out, pray for our graduates. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time we have to uh, come and just recognize these uh, students for all their hard work and uh, just everything that you've done in their lives. Father, I pray that you be with them and guide them as they um, just go on to the next step of their lives, whatever it is that they're going through. Uh, and I pray that you are a shining light through them and that um, whatever it is that they do, uh, those who are around them see you through them. Uh, and it's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, CrawfordvilleFBC.com.